Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, the sports animals in the morning on ESPN Honolulu. Sports Animals now on ESPN Honolulu. Good to see Bobby Curran back last night at uh, Call the Coach with the Ron Gannat. Thanks to the folks that showed up for that, including my partner, Gary Dickman. Yes, uh, it's always a fun time when there's basketball conversations. And I know right now the team coming off that two-game losing streak, but uh, high hopes for Thursday against Santa Barbara. And they're not giving up. Hopefully the fans won't either. Yeah, and uh, it was good to see uh, Joe McGarry. I have not seen Mo- Joe McGarry, uh, uh, Mrs. Bobby Curran, in a long time. So that was a, uh, oh, it was a, it was a, it was a very, very uh, pleasant, pleasant evening. Okay, well, let's go. We've got uh, basketball tickets to give away today. Keep listening for your chance to score those. Damon Bruce on the 49ers. He's the utmost 49ers um, expert. He's going to be joining us this hour. I see here that uh, we saw yesterday afternoon Craig Stutzman now uh, with San Jose State University. Yeah, pretty interesting. I guess it makes sense for Kenny Niamatololo being the head coach there. And one of the things that I was seeing last night, I'm not sure if a lot of people were aware because I wasn't, is that, well, Craig Stutzman was at Texas State. And just last week, he got a verbal commitment, or not in writing, from Jaden Delora to be the quarterback at Texas State. The civil suit that Jane Delora was in was settled last week, and the next day Texas State signed Jane Delora. Now people are wondering, will Jane Delora maybe go to San Jose State and follow Craig Stutzman? All right, well, we will uh, basically see. That will be two St. Louis quarterbacks in a row for the Spartans. Uh, okay, uh, Rainbow Warrior Volleyball on the road this week. Yeah, Tiff Wells will be on the call. they got Ball State, and you know, I, I heard – Somebody mentioned the other day, well, how come they're playing so many road games? Well, Charlie Wade has talked about that, and people sometimes be critical of any team scheduling. It's smart to schedule these matches. Tough opponents on the road. It can help your net, uh, your R- RPI, I should say, for volleyball. And if they do need a high ranking in the RPI, these kind of matches can help. It's good to get tested well, early. Let, let me help you out there a little, Gary. They don't have a lot of road trips. This is their first road trip. They won't have another one until March. You said people are complaining that Charlie Wade schedules too many road trips. No, I didn't say that. I said, yeah, I, you, exactly I, what you said. I'm just, okay, uh, so it's not what you meant then. Okay. But, yeah, the uh, Purdue-Fort Wayne coming up. Uh, gosh, it's uh, just a couple of days from now. So uh, then they go to Ball State. That'll be a challenge. Ball State, always one of the better teams, and they played them on the road uh, seemingly every other year, it feels like. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, let's see what else we got. Uh, NFL playoffs. 
Today is the day we can get into kind of a preview of this Final Four coming up. And when we have Damon Bruce on, one of the key questions for him, and I'm sure everybody in San Francisco is wondering and talking and asking, is he or isn't he Debo Samuel? I think that's a big plus if he plays. But to me, the way I look at that part of the game or the factor of the game is that even if he plays, it doesn't seem like he would be 100%. If he's not even listed as definitely now playing, you would think he's probably not going to be 100% on Sunday, and I wonder how much that holds him back, if not the team offensively. I think that's a big key right there in that one. Well, one of the good news is it's not a fracture, mm-hmm. uh, is what we found out yesterday. So I doubt that a lot of, you know, it's cliche time, everybody. Uh, hold your ears if you're sick of them already. But, uh, you know, everybody's a little banged up by at this point in the season. And, um, you know, even if Debo's 75%, uh, you know, you got th- that'll be a great addition. Well, it'll be a it'll be helpful, but it's not. I don't know if that'll be enough. I don't know if mm. that'll be enough for them. I think that's a big factor in this game is how healthy he will be, it, assuming he plays. And in this kind of a situation, you would think. I mean, why hold him back if there's any chance at all of him playing? But I wonder how effective he'll be. We'll find out in five days. All right, Mel Kuyper's new mock draft is out, uh, and uh, I'm sure you got a chance to check that out. Actually, I didn't. Oh, <laughs> okay. Go to ESPN.com. It's on the front page. I uh, saw well, it's out, yes. All right. Well, I wanted to talk about that. That'll scratch that off the list. <laughs> well, we can still talk about it. I just haven't seen his official list yet. There's a lot of guys. Uh, there's uh, Well, he had one earlier. Uh, it was during the season. And there's a lot of guys, let's just uh, um, say first-round quarterbacks. In this n- latest mock draft, um, Shadur Sanders was earlier number three on uh, his um, on uh, Mel's uh, position rankings. Is Shadur Sanders not going out for the draft? That's what I my question is, and that I don't know because this just came out this morning. But um, he is not declaring. That's why he's not in the mock draft. I wonder where he would have been. Uh, that of course, Deion Sanders' son, if he had been, Caleb Williams. Uh, First pick overall, followed by Drake May, or no, I'm sorry, it might Jayden be Jaden Daniels. Daniels, and then Drake May, J.J. McCarthy, a first round draft choice. Now a lot of this can change. Uh, guys, you're not seen in the first round, and probably it looked like it was going to go this way. Uh, Michael Penix Jr., Carson Beck of Georgia, Bo Nix, not first round draft choices, at least of, of um, where we are right now. Uh, no surprise that Marvin Harrison Jr. would be the first wide receiver off the draft. But if you people often ask every time, you know, what is this draft heavy and what's this a good draft for? Well, it's not a great draft for um, for uh, edge rushers, but it is a absolutely fantastic and maybe even record breaking draft for offensive tackles. And if you're a, a Jets fan or you're a Miami fan, I mean, if there's a lot of guys that uh, a lot of teams that really need tackles. So there's a lot of wealth to go around if you if this dra- uh, mock draft holds true. 
I think when going back to the quarterbacks and Caleb Williams, there was a report last week that Cliff Kingsbury is interviewing with Chicago as their offensive coordinator. He was with USC last year, and there might be a connection there even more so why they might draft Caleb Williams. And I know Hunter Hughes last week was just ecstatic at that possibility, being a Bears fan, that they could get both of those guys. That might, again, it might ensure more so that Chicago does go after Caleb Williams. And if you're in New England, I mean, I know it's not Bill Belichick, but boy, you better draft the right quarterback this time because you didn't last time and it really cost you, cost you big time. And if it's going to go with what Mel Kuyper says as far as Drake May, he better be the right guy or they're going to be set back another four, five, six years. Caleb Williams, no matter who is, uh, not no matter who is picking, but if you're a quarterback needy team, Caleb Williams is going to go to the, Caleb Williams is going to go number one no matter what. Now, not it's not a unanimous thing like Oliver Luck or something like that. Andrew Luck? Andrew Luck. Oliver Luck was not drafted, I believe. His dad is Oliver Luck. I wonder if he was even drafted. I know he played in the NFL. Anyway, Andrew Luck uh, was not, uh, you know, I mean, that was a unanimous. didn't matter. It didn't matter if you had an all-pro quarterback. You, you were taking number one. You were taking Andrew Luck. I'm joking halfway there. But that's how much of a unanimous number one he was. Caleb Williams is close to that. Caleb, um, the Chicago Bears, they need to make the decision of, and I'm I'm sure they will, that, well, Justin Fields isn't their guy. Justin Fields is a guy that, um, you know, you've had three years to prove it, and you've thrown for 60% of your pass at completions, right? You throw too many interceptions. You actually took a step back this year from last year. So if you, if you actually – decide to keep Justin Fields in his fifth-year option is coming up, you're going to pay this guy that money? Nah, you got to move on. you got to move on to somebody like Caleb Williams with the first pick. Don't trade down this year. But, I mean, that's how they got this first pick was um, the Carolina uh, deal last year. But anyway, with Caleb Williams, that's a guy who's going to be inexpensive for a few years and you can build around him. It makes absolute sense for the uh, Chicago Bears to take Caleb Williams. Now, could somebody like the Washington Commanders say, you know what, we want Caleb Williams really bad no matter what, and we're going to trade up to get him. Say they swap picks and do something for next year. Well, then the Washington Commanders will be taking Caleb Williams. Um, In this mock draft, the Commanders have Jaden Daniels. Uh, LSU quarterback at number two. The New England Patriots have Drake May, the quarterback from North Carolina, at number three, as you mentioned. And, uh, yeah, they got to get a uh, win. But you know what? At least Gerard Mayo has a little bit of a, a cushion. You know, he's starting out brand new. They've got – who's the GM now? I mean, wow. is the GM a guy – We've never heard of him because, I mean, they've always had a general manager, but the general manager didn't really have any power when Bill Belichick was there as far as personnel goes. So, um, you know, who, is that guy making the picks? Is is it a team effort? Probably more of a team effort than it was in the past. Scott Poloni was there before, I believe, at the GM. So, um, you know, you've got some guys – and also, when you draft, now, here's some teams that need quarterbacks. And I'm surprised at uh, the New England Patriots. I don't, you know, if Mac Jones, hopefully he goes somewhere else 
and gets a second chance. Mac Jones has plenty of talent. He looked great his rookie year. For whatever reason, that offense is just a mess. So you're going to see, um, you're going to see guys like Hunter Henry and maybe Mike Gesicki and guys like that. They're going to they're 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 out of there. I mean, they want to go where they have a chance. Right now, I don't know if they stick around or where they'll get you have paid. To take, what's that? Or where they'll get paid? Where yeah, they're going to want to well, go. I think a lot of people would want to pay Hunter Henry and Mike Gesicki, but. And you know what? He got paid. Uh, Gesicki got a pretty good paycheck uh, in New England. If but, they have cap space, that's the thing that will hinder a lot of teams, though. Well, the Patriots have a ton of cap space. Yeah, I don't I, know if you saw that uh, the quote the other day. They got $60 million in cap space. That's why they can maybe pay these guys more than other teams and maybe keep them. Maybe. Uh, or they go out and get a fresh. You know what? That whole offense needs a whole overhaul uh, in New England. Yes, it does. The Marvin Harrison Jr., what we're not going to name here is defensive players for a while. At number four, the Arizona Cardinals uh, are going to select Marvin Harrison Jr., teaming him up with Kyler Murray. It's a good fit. Uh, The Los Angeles Rams, hopefully they get a coach before uh, the draft comes up. The Los Angeles Chargers. Brock Bowers, the tight end from Georgia. I've been waiting four years for Bowers to come out. Man, that's a, he's going to be immediately. I think that guy's a game changer immediately. Okay, I'm going back to the Bears for a second. I'm not totally <laughs> sold to them getting rid of Justin Fields and going after Caleb Williams. They have number one and number nine right now. Imagine if they get a guy like Marvin Harrison Jr. and maybe a good tackle at number nine. What a difference that could make for a guy like Justin Fields. Again, they were seven. Well, they were seven and ten last year, I believe. They came on. They played a lot better in the second half. Was he a Pro Bowl quarterback? No, but I, I don't think he was as bad as what, how he started his season yeah. and how some people perceive him. Yeah, I think that you're wrong. Just because oh, my opinion. This how is a. This is a. Um, okay, no, but I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, Caleb Williams is a. If you pass on Caleb Williams. Um, you, they should take ownership away from this team. This okay again. You, I don't think you're going to want to pay Caleb Williams starting quarterback money, uh, and that's what you're going to have to do in a couple of years. You're going to have to pick up that fifth year option. I remember Tua's was worth twenty three million or something like that. I, I, how long do you keep going down a road the road with a quarterback that has shown you he can't get the job done? He's thrown for sixty percent completions That's this is awful. not 1975 60 percent is horrible if 60 percent has got to be towards the bottom of nfl starting quarterbacks absolute bottom 60 percent is horrible so i think when you got a chance like uh, uh getting a guy like caleb williams it elevates everything in that team do you i mean are you gonna are you gonna trade down two years in a row no, I, mm. again, I think you go after Marvin Harrison. I mean, you pass up on a receiver like him. Now you got a couple of really good receivers there. You got an offensive line that improves, and suddenly Justin Field looks better. No, I don't think so. I think Rome Adunzi, where Mel Kuyper has him at number nine, the Washington wide receiver, makes a lot of sense. You get the best quarterback in the draft, and you get, we'll call him the second best receiver. Ah, I think you're doing okay. 92 catches, 1,600 yards, 13 touchdowns for Washington. Uh, We can get into more of this coming up. 
Also, let's look forward to the NFL playoffs. Damon Bruce from the Damon Bruce Show on YouTube uh, will be joining us in about 15 minutes to talk San Francisco 49ers. And uh, right now it's time for our Hawaii USA Federal Credit Union Bulletin Board, brought to you by Hawaii USA Life Matters. Uh, this, um, If you want to help out the folks on Maui, you can help raise funds for the 40 Lahaina Luna coaches who lost their homes, uh, help send Lahaina Luna student-athletes to state tournaments, or help the school replace sports equipment lost in the fires. Donate to the Luna Strong Fund online at downtownathleticclubhawaii.org. We'll be right back. Hope you're having a great morning. It's going to be partly cloudy today. We got rain tomorrow, and then sunshine Thursday. So a little, little bit of this, a little bit of that. Uh, high in the upper 70s. Winds are going to be light today uh, out of the south. Uh, we're kind of having fun with Mel Kuyper's uh, mock draft that came out. And according to Mel Kuyper's, um, uh, what do I call it, position rankings that came out, this came out during the season. And a lot of these guys on this mock draft are towards the top of, the, uh, of his rankings. Uh, say, for example, wide receivers. You have Marvin Harrison Jr., Roma Dunze, Malik Neighbors, the LSU wide receiver, uh, Keon Coleman, the f- receiver from Florida State, uh, Xavier Worthy from Texas. Now, he was the fifth best wide receiver on Mel's list, yet he's not a, a first rounder in this mock draft. So, if you looked back at some of the best players, um, you know, six weeks ago eight weeks ago in college football there's a lot of these guys that aren't in the first round in this draft and a lot of newcomers for example he's got brian thomas the wide receiver from lsu going to um uh coming from lsu so there's a wide receiver that not a lot of people are talking about but with Jaden uh malik neighbors being so good Jaden Daniels, the quarterback, uh, you know, rocketing up the charts, so to speak. This guy uh, is, um, you know, being noticed by a lot of people. We said there's a, a big draft for offensive tackles. In the middle of the, uh, towards the, you know, two-thirds down in the draft, he's got the Dallas Cowboys taking Jordan Morgan, an offensive tackle from Alabama that nobody talked about in the beginning of the year. Uh, there's an offensive tackle from BYU. Kingsley Suamataya, sorry, uh, projected to go to Green Bay in this draft. We've got like five Polynesian players look like they're going to get picked in the first round if this mock draft holds true. Uh, that's kind of cool. But um, there's in all, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine players who really kind of nobody was talking about before. Uh, Adonai Mitchell from uh, the wide receiver from Texas. He got a lot of talk. He wasn't ranked in the top five, but he'll be a first-round draft choice. 
to me, and I know what the reaction I'm going to get from you is, but to me, mock drafts in January are like preseason football. Mm-hmm. It, it sure just doesn't are. tell enough of a story. Things are going to change so much. Uh, it's almost like non-conference in basketball. And I know they're out every January, but they're going to change so many times between now and April. And we'll be more familiar. I mean, for me, I mean, if, you're, if you're a draft junkie, then you're going to know a lot of these names. I'm not familiar with half these names right now. I will be more so when, when we get closer to the draft. But so many things change in these mock drafts about now that I don't put a ton into what even Mel Kuyper is saying. I get the usual suspects will be at the top, but a lot of the other guys are going to change based on the combine or rumors or free agency and all that other good stuff. Yeah, and it's and, and it's just kind of fun sports talk. That's That's most of what the radio show is. It'll change, I'm sure. I don't know that somebody else is going to be, uh, you know, taking number one from Caleb Williams. You know, you might interchange uh, Jaden uh, Daniels and Drake May at two and three. Uh, and then there'll be guys that nobody knows about. And you'll see somebody at number 11, say the Minnesota Vikings, all of a sudden are going to, say, pick a quarterback and not go with Kirk Cousins instead of Nate Wiggins, the cornerback out of Clemson. And that. The fluidness of everything is what kind of makes the draft fun. And it's kind of fun to look at the the numbers here, uh, excuse me, the list here, and go, if you're a Raiders fan, you're like, Terrion Arnold, cornerback from Alabama, oh, I'd much rather have Kool-Aid McKinstry or or something like that. It's kind of fun for your team. For example, uh, the New York Jets are picking at number 10, and they're projected to take Olu Fashanu, the offensive tackle from Penn State. Man, I mean, uh, Mackay Beckham is hitting free agency. They're probably going to let him go. <laughs> but, I mean, here's a guy that's, uh, I mean, Hall of Fame is too early to tell, but I think in his whole career he gave up one sack. <laughs> six, six, 320 pounds, footwork, elite player. You got to be excited about that if he lasts to 10 and goes to the Jets. Well, I was excited about Mackay Beckham at like six, eight. And everything he had to offer, can't miss left tackle. Well, he did miss. Elijah Vera Tucker, can't miss left tackle out of USC the next year. He missed so far. Both of those guys have been hurt, but that's part of the problem. Neither guy has come close to fulfilling the hype uh, before they got drafted or after they got drafted. So with a lot of guys like that, you never know. Uh, Maybe they'll work out, maybe they won't. Some of these guys have great college careers and do nothing in the pros. So for, yeah. and the way the Jets draft, I'm t- I'm always skeptical because it's the uh, Jets okay. Drafting. Maybe the okay, maybe the Jets is a bad example. Yeah, unfortunately, because I could look at the Pittsburgh Steelers, my team, and here they're projected to take Kamari Lassiter, the cornerback from Georgia, certainly one of the best, you know, corners in uh, college football, at number twenty. Now last year they hit with Joey Porter Jr. He had a fantastic rookie year. Usually the Steelers pick corners in the first round, and they're duds. So I could look at it and say, oh, no, not another corner. We need a quarterback or something like that. But that's the fun of following the uh, of, of following the draft. And when you talk about things changing, that's what makes it fun. Because if this is what the draft is going to look like, if Mel Kuyper was 90% correct, there'd be no conversation at all. It'd be kind of boring. It's like people who go to the golf course and, hit, and on their drives, they hit the ball straight every single time. To me, that's boring. I want to step up to the tee and go, 
I have no idea where this is going. Here we go. So you enjoy losing is what you're saying. Well, that doesn't necessarily always happen. That's what is the fun of it. It really is. But uh, anyway, uh, so according to this draft, the San Francisco 49ers are winning the Super Bowl because they're picking (laughs) 32nd, and the Baltimore Ravens, the other team uh, going to the Super Bowl, are picking number 31, which brings us to the playoffs. And coming up in a few minutes, Damon Bruce from the Damon Bruce Show on YouTube, uh, plus uh, Damon Bruce Plus on uh, Amazon. He is going to be joining us in a few minutes here to talk about the San, apparently the future world champion, San Francisco 49ers. So we've got the uh, uh, two games coming up. Which game are you look looking forward to the most? For example, last week, I think of a lot of America was really looking forward to the uh, Buffalo and Kansas City uh, deal because that's become kind of like Patriots and Colts uh, back in the day. It's become kind of a kind of a postseason rivalry. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, I mentioned yesterday how ESPN's most watched game ever was the Detroit-Tampa Bay game. I th- the game I'm looking forward to the most out of the two, I mean, obviously I want to see both games and hope they're both close, but the Detroit Lions have captivated a lot of people, including myself. I don't really, I mean, if whoever wins the Super Bowl out of these four teams, I'm not going to be upset. I'm not going to be overly happy, but I'll feel a little bit better if Detroit win. And I would love to see Detroit and Kansas City, both road teams winning this week. For whatever reason, even though Baltimore is fantastic, I'm not a big fan of theirs, and I would love to see Kansas City beat them. Why aren't you a big fan? What makes you not a big fan? They just don't they don't stand out to me like other teams. I mean, again, they're a great team. I love John Harbaugh. I love Lamar Jackson. But just something about them where even though they're great and I don't downplay that anymore, I did probably in mid-November, I they just not they not they don't attract me like to make me even more of a fan like the other team. The other three teams, again, I don't really care if they win or lose, but I like a lot of aspects or a lot of players on their team more so than Baltimore. The Baltimore Ravens, uh, what was their what was their record overall? Do you remember, Tanner? Do you remember anybody there? Remember what their overall record was? 13 wins, something like that? Yeah, I mean, the, I'm not sure. The, Baltimore, the Baltimore Ravens are a team that played, you know, with a record like that, and they played in the toughest division in the NFL. That's not to be forgotten as you talk about maybe the strength or the power rankings of these uh, final four in the playoffs um i'm i'm not really rooting if you were asking me personally i don't think anyone cares personally who i'm rooting for but uh i would say that the baltimore ravens wouldn't be one of them being a steelers fan but you know i i like the lions we're the official station of the san francisco 49ers Uh, so i mean i'm good with the 49ers or the lions on the nfc side and the um on the afc side Huh. I don't know. Well, if you don't like Baltimore, then it's kind of easy to pick Kansas City. Yeah, but Kansas City goes every year. <laughs> I, you know what? I, I, I want Kansas City because I want uh, Taylor Swift. Well, I, I want to drive her, people. I want to drive people crazy about Taylor Swift. Why? Because uh, I was reading about this a few weeks ago. She's going to be in Japan the night before the Super Bowl, the two nights before the Super Bowl. And if she flies direct on a chartered flight or whatever after her last concert, she would make it to Las Vegas right around kickoff. So they're not sure if that's going to happen or not. Of course, Kansas City has to make it first. But uh, there's talk that she might be a little tardy. Oh, that's okay. 
because then they'll show the helicopter landing, <laughs> right? And they'll show yeah. the, the 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 limo and all police the security yeah. driving up, police escort. I would absolutely love that because so many people hate it. It's like, why? Why are you? Who cares? She's a. It's a famous girlfriend. They're showing her. I mean, if this was back in. You know, the, the 50s, it would be like Marilyn Monroe in the press box. Although I don't think they had press boxes, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Gosh, I agree. everybody, take a take a deep breath. All right, Damon Bruce on the 49ers coming up next. Uh, coming up a little later on in the show, Dr. Nate Murata will be joining us from HCAMP. That's the Hawaii Concussion Awareness Management Program. Uh, reminding all parents, coaches, and youth student-athletes, too, Learn more about recognizing concussion symptoms. You can do it by visiting hawaiiconcussion.com. Big weekend, of course. Somebody's going to be qualifying for the Super Bowl, of course, on Sunday. And, of course, the San Francisco 49ers, very popular in here, are hoping to be one of those teams once again. Joining us now on ESPN Honolulu, he's the host of the Damon Bruce Show. You can check it out on YouTube. Joining us once again, Damon Bruce. Damon, thanks so much for joining us. I guess the first question, I'm sure you're being asked this and I'm following the story, but what is the latest with Debo Samuel and his availability for Sunday? The only thing I can tell you is that if you're about 50-50 to go on the Monday of championship week by Sunday, you're playing. <laughs> he's playing. There's no doubt in my mind that he's going to go. Uh, it looks like there was no structural damage revealed in any post-injury follow-up. Lookies in with the MRI, whatever they do, I don't know. But Debo Samuel's playing in the NFC title game, no doubt about it. You think, though, that if he's not 100% that that could limit him or limit the offense for the Niners? I mean, it might, but no excuses. Zero excuses. There's enough talent across this team. If he is playing more of a role of a decoy, he's a valuable decoy at times. Uh, Obviously, you'd like Debo to go full strength, but there's, look, there's absolutely no excuse. The entire team can get hit by a bus this week. (laughs) They need to win the NFC title game. There is just no more coming up short of this goal or dipping out of a very good season in this game. And I'm not an unreasonable broadcaster. Hopefully that's the reason why you keep on coming back to me because (laughs) you know that we're going to have a reasoned conversation about sports. But it is time for an unreasonable expectation. The joke has been that the season starts in the NFC title game. Well, here it is. The season has now officially started, and there's no reason that this team, as healthy as they are, Debo aside, as rested as they've been, as home as they are, as short of a flight as it is to Las Vegas. <laughs> um, Kyle Shanahan has five, or, or excuse me, Kyle Shanahan has seven playoff wins in the last five years alone. The Detroit playoff, the Detroit Lions have nine playoff wins in their franchise's history, been playing since 1930. Uh, the 49ers have had success against Jared Goff. Uh, it's just no excuses. It's time to go to a Super Bowl. I agree with what you said about how we feel about you. We love having you on the show, so thanks for that. But based on what you just said, (laughs) how do you explain last Saturday when Green Bay in San Francisco seemingly had that game won for the most part? I mean, they kind of hurt themselves down the stretch in the fourth quarter and Brock Purdy on that last drive, McCaffrey as well. But how do you explain the struggles they had last week? One word. You've heard it before. Football. 
<laughs> football happened last week. Nothing is ever guaranteed in a football game. And you know what? The Green Bay Packers, I thought, were maybe the scariest team left on the NFC side of the bracket. They've been playing like a freight train for the last 10 weeks, and they, with Matt LaFleur having a little inner working knowledge of how the Niners go about their business, they went out and had a great game plan. They executed it. The Niners came out a little tight. Brock Purdy in the rain is another whole topic that we can have next if you'd like to. Um, But football happened. And then the Niners ended up winning the game, and this isn't one of those regular season games where there's always a beauty contest or a swimsuit portion of the competition (laughs) that you also have to clear. Like, it doesn't matter what anyone's opinion is of that win. They won, and it is survive in advance time. If they can beat the Detroit Lions by a half a point, that's fine with me. If they can win the Super Bowl by a quarter of a point, that's fine with me. You know, it might not help the gamblers out there, But it does not matter how you win as long as you do win at this point in time of the season. And the Niners survived it. And after not having a good game, Brock Purdy really did show you his mental toughness and his wear. And he executed a final drive to win a game from behind, like one of these incomplete boxes that we haven't checked all year. Can the 49ers win ugly? Can the 49ers win when they're not front-running? So even though it was ugly... Everyone insisted that this team would have to pass that test, and they just did, and people are still complaining because that's what people do. Damon Bruce joining us on ESPN Honolulu talking San Francisco 49ers football. And I guess, you know, if the Niners win by a half point, the gamblers for Detroit would feel good about it. Maybe not the Niners people, but can't have it both ways, I guess. But one of the things I thought was an interesting factor of Saturday's game, and I'm looking ahead to this weekend, Damon, is there was the first time all year – that the 49ers allowed a 100-yard rusher. Aaron Jones had a great game. And also it seemed like Jordan Lowe was really picking on the cornerback, Ambry Thomas. How do they try to negate that against Detroit this week? I think Ambry's a good Thomas. Uh, Ambry is a, he's a good Thomas. He's a good player, and he had a bad game. Uh, hopefully the fact that the, the 49ers won't be slipping all over their field, it was like they didn't know what, what, what length cleats to wear. I saw guys slipping all over the place. Um, maybe that had something to do with it. So I'm really not worried about Ambry Thomas. Uh, Aaron Jones had himself a bust-out game. He really did. He's been having himself about a bust-out month. He's been really playing well for the Packers. That's the first time the 49ers have allowed an individual rusher going back several years, not just all wow. season long. Um, and it was uh, disheartening to see it. A lot of people thought that the rest would solve some tackling problems, just make everyone fresher to wrap and tackle. They missed nine tackles, I believe, against the the Green Bay Packers. Eric Armstead's uh, presence on the defensive line was supposed to solve a lot of answers. It didn't exactly do that. And, look, those are are concerns. There's no doubt about it. Um, The Green Bay Packers' offensive line might have been the best overall unit in that game last weekend and this weekend a better offensive line comes to town in the Detroit Lions and Nick Bosa and company up front can't have one of those nuanced week where the pro football focus grade tells you that they played better than they really did you know they need an impact game Nick Bosa is the highest paid defensive player in football and it's time to go get a sack you got to get home especially on a quarterback like Jared Goff. You get Jared Goff off of his spot, Jared Goff starts becoming uncomfortable quickly. So Love did a great job keeping plays alive, not getting sacked, running away from pressure when it was in his face. 
Jared Goff isn't exactly that athlete. So getting home on him is a must if this team's going to Las Vegas. At this point, this deep into the playoffs, how much is head coaching a factor in this game? Oh, it's a, it's a tremendous factor. It's a tremendous factor. I mean, this is the advantage that Kyle Shanahan is supposed to have over the vast majority of all teams in football, is it not? You know, but for the handful of coaches that we know don't need to show their bona fides, we know who they are, you know, Andy Reid. And, um, well, it's a, it's, a, it's a shrinking list now that Bill Belichick and Pete Carroll and a lot of names are starting to vanish. We'll see if they reappear anywhere. But uh, this is – this is what Kyle is paid to do. He's paid to find mismatches. He's paid to keep this team incredibly balanced, incredibly focused. And you know what? He's done a heck of a job as the 49ers head coach. This guy has done everything you could ask a head coach to do but hoist a Lombardi trophy. So I really hope it's his year to do that. Because much like I've always believed, had Scott Norwood's field goal gone true at the big sombrero and the Buffalo Bills had beaten the New York Giants, I think the Buffalo Bills would have won multiple Super Bowls. But there was this self-fulfilling prophecy of, well, they can't get it done in a big game. I really believe that once Kyle Shanahan gets it done in a big game, an already respected coach is going to go right to the front of the class in terms of the punditry, the opinions. I know that an awful lot of NFL people have you know, a very high regard for Kyle Shanahan. It will be the highest of regards. And when you think about who his dad was, just you know, the personal accomplishment that he wants, we all want to do as well, if not better, than our fathers. Coaching is the Shanahan family business. And the personal pressure that he's under to win this, the, the franchise pressure that he's under because you're head coach of the Niners, and just the arc of his own career pressure that he's under, it's extreme. Kyle Shanahan has aged like a president over these last four or five years. <laughs> um, he's gone from, 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 from a, a brunette to a very salt and pepper in that beard. <laughs> so uh, I, really, I really hope he does it. I really do. You know, I, I try to be the guy who's not rooting for the team I cover, but it feels like this team has done enough to get the bouquet of flowers, and no one's going to hand it to them without a Lombardi trophy base. So I, I hope they find it. And as you said, the pieces are in play. Should be a great game. Can't wait for Sunday. Two great games, I guess, we'll have as well. Damon, thanks again for joining us. We always feel entertained by you and your insight to the 49ers or any other team in the Bay Area. Thanks again. It's always a pleasure to join you. Have a great day. All right, you too. Thank you so much. Damon Bruce, the Damon Bruce Show on YouTube, joining us on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Yeah, from the Plus. You also got to check out his work on Amazon, Damon, uh, the Damon Bruce Plus. Uh, so check that out if you are a 49ers fan. I mean, he's got on the Damon Bruce Show like uh, 15,000 subscribers, so a lot of people across the country enjoying that man, Damon Bruce. Hey, you can catch the next episode of The Student Section. That's tonight at 7 o'clock. We'll be live from Autosource Carousel right there on the corner of Kapiolani and Keiomoku Street. Uh, myself and Cole, uh, Cole Mousolf. I was going to say Cole McDonald. Cole Mousolf. Uh, we're gonna, our guests are going to be Tehani Doctor and Aliyah Bantolina uh, from Campbell Basketball. And then a couple of UH football players, incoming uh, big tackle Christian Perry and quarterback Micah Alejado. They're going to be our guests. Mahalo to Autosource and Raising Cane's Chicken Fingers.
We spent a lot of time today talking about uh, the NFL draft coming up. I know it's early, but uh, Mel Kuyper's uh, um, mock draft came out today, so that was kind of fun to go over. Another one of the top stories we're following is uh, yesterday you heard former wide receivers coach and passing game coordinator from Texas State and former University of Hawaii coach and player and St. Louis coach and player Craig Stutzman is uh, going to be joining Kenny Niamatololo's staff at San Jose State as the offensive coordinator. And uh, that's kind of exciting news. And when you think about it, I, you, we think about, at least I do, as um, uh, Craig Stutzman is just this uh, young and upcoming guy. But he's been coaching for like 20 years. Seems that way. Seems like both. You're, seems like he's well, young. he has been coaching for twenty years, and he does does seem like he's still young. And if if you, if you weren't sure about what kind of offense or what kind of offense San Jose State will not run with Kenny Nematololo, this ensures that even more they're not going with an option uh, with Kenny there because he said it, and with Craig Setzman there, that won't be the case at all. And I, I I said this yesterday when we heard about Kenny, but weren't aware about Craig. You think about the recruiting that he will do in Hawaii. I think even more so with Craig Stutzman and Kenny there. Even more Hawaii players have the chance now to go to San Jose State more than before. Yeah, and I, I think that's uh, totally by design. I mean, that's one of the reasons I think that Ken Niamatololo hires Craig Stutzman is he mm. goes, oh, St. Louis. Now, St. Louis is not – uh, you know, isn't the isn't la- at least last year not producing all of the top talent, but they've still got, you know, they've still got a lot of great football players there. And, and if it's not St. Louis, it might be Punahou or it might be, you know, you name it. It might be the guys that were at St. Louis and left and are playing at Mililani or Waipahu or wherever all these kids are transferring to. So I think it's smart. You have a head coach from Hawaii. And your offensive coordinator is from Hawaii. I mean, I think this is a full frontal attack on, uh, you know, on Hawaii's uh, 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 on Hawaii recruiting. You think I, I'm sure that Timmy Chang is looking at this and going, "Okay, boys, we got to, you know, really hunker down and really make sure we cast that net and keep those relationships open." If you started the relationship in ninth grade. Maybe you need to start the relationship in eighth grade or seventh grade or at the flag football level for crying out loud. We saw yesterday that Hawaii got a verbal commit from K.J. Halms, which made Kavika very happy. He gets a scholarship to the University of Hawaii in 2025. And I think also just with what we talk about with the coaches, Craig Stutzman, Kenny Niamatololo, Jaden DeLore, I just want to get back to him for a second. I mean, I know he's had some legal issues off the field. On the field, he's been a really productive quarterback, both at Washington State and at Arizona. And if he goes to San Jose State, I would imagine he's going to be one of the top quarterbacks in the Mountain West. That's how good of a career he's had in the Pac-12 so far. So that makes them a little bit better, too. They might have a new coach, obviously. Well, they are having a new coach, but they're going to probably have some talent there, and we'll see what else Kenny can do as far as the recruiting, where the early signing period was completed. And I did read about a couple of players maybe following Brent Brennan to Arizona, and that happens with every time a coach moves on. But getting a quarterback to replace Shevin with another ex-St. Louis guy in Delora, that would really be positive for their chances next year. Yeah, I, I, we just got a text that says, has UH ever played another football team that employs the run-and-shoot offense? I, I'd have to think. 
I would think so, but I'm trying to think off the top of my head who it would be. Well, how many people run the run and shoot, first of all? So now we've played guys like Hal Mummy, and you guys, you know, we've played some teams with similar, uh, but I don't think Hawaii has ever played a team that pl- played the run and shoot offense. Now, if you do have the run and shoot offense playing a team that, if both teams play the run and shoot offense, <laughs> I mean, it really just comes down to execution because you don't you face the run and shoot offense every day in practice. True. So. But again, that's really interesting news, and we'll see if there's any other Hawaii connections they get. But three days in a row, uh, and again, uh, Jaden DeLore is not a done deal. It's just been speculated so far. He did commit to Texas State last week, but there is talk that he might follow Craig Stutzman. But two days in a row, you get some pretty big Hawaii connections at San Jose State, and I'm not sure if they're done. And we're hoping to get Kenny Niamatololo on the show. We're working it out maybe for tomorrow or Thursday. We'll have to see. But uh, glad for him, and I'm glad for Craig Stutzman. Gets closer to home, and I know he's wanted to come back to Hawaii a few times at least he's a little bit closer and he's in the same conference now so good for him yeah I, I I'm curious you know what I, I wonder if um Nick Rolovich ever came to uh Neil Matalolo's mind as an offensive coordinator I mean he's already had proven success uh you know as an offense as an offensive coordinator and uh head coach uh on this level so I'm curious Maybe Stutzman would be better for recruiting because that's what college football is all about. But anyway, uh, you know, the more I talk about this and the more I think about this, sorry, the less I'm rooting for Ken Niamatololo. <laughs> <laughs> I really am. Right. Look, great guy probably. I've, I've never met him in person uh, over the years. We've talked to him 100 times on the phone. Uh, seems like a great guy, a great family man. But you know what? Now he's getting a little too close to our territory. <laughs> we'll be right back on ESPN Honolulu. Here we go. It's the Sports Animals now on ESPN Honolulu. Hey, we got to give away tickets to Rainbow Warrior Basketball. Keep listening for that. Uh, that's coming up uh, on the radio station today. Uh, top stories we're following are, well, we've got the uh, NFL playoffs we've been discussing. And, uh, you know, everybody in Hawaii seems to be torn. Either If you're not a 49ers fan, you know somebody who's a 49ers fan. You're, there's a 49ers fan in your family, yet America loves the Detroit Lions and the team that wears Honolulu blue. It's hard not to not like Dan Campbell, just with everything he brings to the team and the league, every way, including wins, not the losses, but just his persona. And, of course, hard knocks. I became a fan of a lot of teams by, by watching, and definitely Detroit. San Francisco is a great team, and I wouldn't be upset if they won. I mean, they're a team that should win, but I think Detroit, you said this yesterday, I believe, Chris, like if you don't have a dog in the fight, usually cheer for the underdog. And I don't yeah. really have a dog in the fight, so they are the biggest underdog. I mean, Kansas City is an underdog on 
paper, but not as much uh, as Detroit. You know what? I think underdog is the incorrect word. Those four teams who were there deserved it. Those are good football teams. Yeah. I think what you're what you're meaning is because it's been so long uh, between championships for the Lions. That's what people are rooting for. They're not necessarily. I mean. You have an underdog in a game, but what's the spread? Three points each side? Not in this game. It's pretty high. I think it's seven. I think it's seven in that game, which is kind of a lot. Well, yeah. And and you know what? You have the situation where you have a great quarterback, I say, for both teams in the AFC. Not so much, you know, you're not talking greatness for the Lions or the uh, 49ers. No Hall of good, Famers good yet. Good quarterbacks. Good quarterbacks. And Jared Goff, I mean, last week had, you know, Played great, but at the same time, uh, it's Matthew Stafford who has the championship for the Rams, not Jared Goff. But uh, you know what? It could be enough. I'm not saying they're bad. It's I guess what I'm saying is it's more likely for these two teams in the NFC, these two quarterbacks in the NFC, to have an off night. That's what's a little scary about this game. And Brock Purdy had it off three and a half quarters or so on Saturday. And he, you give him credit for what he was able to do. And as Damon Bruce told us last hour, interesting way of looking at it, they're not used to playing from behind San Francisco, not lately. And for them to come from behind, and it's obviously a desperate situation, the sense of urgency, they came through. And Brock Purdy, I believe, was six of seven on that last drive. And he, before that, he wasn't that great. I think he had two interceptions, if I'm not mistaken. So he had a better fourth quarter. And, uh, again, not Hall of Famers on that side where you would think Lamar Jackson, probably a Hall of Famer. Oh, and he's Patrick a Hall of Famer. He's a Super Bowl-winning pa- quarterback. Pa- he's been to two Super Bowls. Lamar Jackson? Yes. Two Super he's, Bowls? He's, hasn't he been? Oh, no. No, I'm sorry. The first year it wasn't. It was Joe Flacco. Right, my yeah, bad. He hasn't been so there. anyway, I know he'll be a uh, Hall he's of been Famer. to a Super Bowl, MVP, probably get MVP again this year. But, the guy's a Hall of Famer. Oh, I know he's a Hall of Famer, but he hasn't been to a Super Bowl, I don't believe. Uh, are you sure? Yeah. I think you're wrong. No. He has not been to a Super Bowl. That's what I've been saying. And Travis Kelsey <laughs> did score two touchdowns. So, again, he's a Hall of Famer. I know I'm half joking Why there. did I? Okay, John Harbaugh has been to two Super Bowls, right? One, one with Joe Flacco when he oh, beat Jim. You know what? No. The the Ravens have been to two Super Bowls, not John Harbaugh. Okay, yeah, he was with the second one against Jim. Yeah, that's right. Uh, okay, sorry. But Mahomes, obviously those two guys are court, uh, Hall of Famers. On the other side, no, Jared Goff's not going to be a Hall of Famer. I don't think uh, he might still have a chance. Hey, trans, all I it think. takes is one Super Bowl. All it takes is one Super no, Bowl. Not- Nowadays, if you're a Super Bowl winning quarterback, you're in the Hall of Fame, which I disagree with. But that's the way it goes. Okay, is Brad Kirk Johnson Warren, going into the Hall who? of Fame? Brad Johnson. The bad example. You know well, he that. Won a, whole, he won a the, Super Bowl. I understand that. Brad Johnson and Trent Dilfer aren't going to the Super Bowl. Next, whoever else has won a Super Bowl is in the Hall of Fame. Is Nick Foles going to the Hall of Fame? That's another one. Because <laughs> <laughs> he was a backup quarterback. You know what I mean? That was one. I mean, you know. Joe Namath shouldn't be in the Super Bowl. He had one good season. You mean he shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame, not Super yeah. Bowl. Well, it shouldn't be in the Super Bowl either. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's, uh, let's move Take on. Bring up one fun fact real fast, and I put what? it on our Twitter page today. If you go to at Sports Animals, you'll see the picture. There okay. have been only two teams that haven't gone to an NFC championship game since 1996. One of them is the Dallas Cowboys, which is amazing right there. And I believe uh, i got to double-check this real fast to make sure I don't get the wrong team here. Yeah, this is great. You want to just save it till after the break? No. Or are you going to just scroll? No, it's Washington. 
Okay. Only two teams have not been to a conference championship. Pretty sad for those teams, especially Dallas. Uh, but, uh, how long since they've been in since a conference? Since 1996. Only two teams have not gone to a conference Think championship. Think of all the money Jerry Jones has spent. And <laughs> you haven't even been to a conference championship. That's quite amazing. All right. Uh, hey, the Rainbow Warrior volleyball team is on the road this week. And uh, got a couple of opponents coming up for them. Yeah, Ball State is always one of the better teams, usually a top 10 team in the country. And Indiana, Fort Wayne, don't know a lot about them, but we'll find out. I don't believe they're not a Let me a jump in team. and help you out with sports. Uh, Purdue, Fort, Purdue Wayne. Fort Wayne. Yeah. And they're in, in Indiana. Uh, <laughs> don't know a lot about them, but the, Ball State, out of the two opponents, is definitely the better of the two. Yeah, we've got Ball State. And that could be, hopefully that's not a trap game, because coming up next, Tusculum at home. <laughs> Oh, Nelly! I'm just kidding. Come on. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so uh, coming up on, uh, what is it, Thursday? Yeah, Thursday, Friday, Sunday, I think if I have my days correct. Rainbow Warrior Volleyball. Uh, you can hear uh, the games here on ESPN Honolulu. Shout out. I want to give a uh, shout out to Chaminade University guard Ross Reeves. Uh, yesterday, he was named the PacWest Conference Player of the Week. So in two games, he's a redshirt sophomore. He got 50 points, 12 rebounds, 8 assists, and 5 steals uh, over Dominican University of California and HPU. 51% shooting. He made 10 three-pointers. Congratulations to Ross Reeves and the Chaminade Swads. Good job on them. We got a text uh, about your topic a little while ago. I guess Jim Plunkett won two Super Bowls and not in the Hall of Fame. Somebody just let us know. Jim Plunkett's not in the Hall of Fame? No, he wouldn't be. Oh, I, I would double-check that. I mean, uh, I could be wrong. I mean, but, you know. Okay, well, let's go to the text here. Jim Plunkett won two Super Bowls and is not in the Hall of Fame. Surprise, Chris doesn't know this. I am, too. That's amazing <laughs> if that is wrong. Uh, this one says, Detroit is not an underdog. Come on, GD. Sorry. <laughs> Somebody sent us a, a – okay, Tanner just double-checked he is not in the Hall of Fame. He should be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, if you if Eli Manning is in the Hall of Fame, Jim Plunkett should be in the Hall of Fame. Well, Eli... If Kurt Warner is in the Hall of Fame due to – he's a system quarterback – then Jim Plunkett should be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, see, I wouldn't go that far. You're basing it on what for Plunkett then. I mean, the Super Bowl's obviously fantastic. I don't think he won them himself. I don't think he had a lot of regular you know season numbers like Eli Manning did, as an example. Okay, I, I take that back. If you're a I, – I shouldn't say quarterback. It's more true to say if you're a coach that won a Super Bowl, you're in the Hall of Fame. All it takes is one. Uh, somebody texted in, go Ravens! Uh, yeah, they've been do I'm looking at past texts. They've been saying that all year. Hey, <laughs> all right, we got a Ravens fan out there. 808-296-1420. Somebody uh, texted us an article about the 49ers and stuff, but we'll read that at the break. Well, Brock Purdy's brother committed to Nevada as a quarterback. That's what the article's about. Oh, okay. Maybe he'll get drafted before the last pick of the draft. <laughs> yeah, someday. that'd be funny, yeah. Uh, this one is about Justin Fields, who I say is not a very good quarterback, and the Chicago Bears are not a very good team. This one says, the Bears can't pass up on uh, Caleb Williams. 
uh, what's his name, their quarterback, says Manfield. What they mean is Justin Fields is no good. He runs the ball six to 12 times a game. Every game is his every game is his third year in five years, six years. You're not going to be able to run the ball because he's going to be all beat up and he can't run the ball like that in the NFL. He's not a good passer. So anyway, uh, that was probably a voice text. But, uh, yeah, um, a lot of texts coming in about the Bears today. Daryl texts in here. The Bears have no weapons, no-name receivers, and lousy running backs. He says, Caleb Williams is going to be a bust. He's going to be the next Johnny Manziel. Well, Johnny Manziel had character issues, and yeah, I think that's what time. did it. In. See, because unless Caleb Williams is the kind, the kind of guy that likes to go to bars all night and not go to practice, then sure, he's going to be a bust. Probably so. And one thing about Justin Fields, again, the last two years, it looks like the Bill, the Bill, the Bears kind of overachieved in the last half of the season. They were considered one of the worst teams in the NFL, especially in, let's say, early October. And I'm not saying Justin Fields is the only reason they did better, but I think he's a part of it. And maybe more of it was with his legs than maybe with his arm. But with the talent around them, they just didn't have a lot, so I wouldn't pin it all on him. But they do got what, DJ Moore. So you get him and Marvin Harrison. Two booking receivers like DJ that. Moore is not a WR1. Oh, I, I'm going to go to Tanner. I think Tanner's nodding his head yes. I think he could be, and he's pretty good. But if you get him and Marvin Harrison. He's pretty good. He is. He just happens to be the only guy out there. Justin Fields is a bad quarterback. I would say he's about average. At to- Sometimes he's good. No. Sometimes he's below average. Well, go look at his stats before I, you say that. I, well, you too. I, I am. He completes 60% of his passes. In today's NFL, that's at the bottom of the list. I bet it bottom. isn't. I bet it isn't. He averages seven yards a pass, and he can only complete 60% of them. 30 interceptions and 38 starts. That's not pretty good. But when you it's not somebody you want to spend money on for a fifth-year option coming up soon. When you bring those things up, you'll say, well, how many of those were on the receiver? The receiver probably made messed up. You always it's seven bring yards that up. away. It's you seven bring yards that away. up all the time. Not on seven yard passes, Gary. I don't think Never they're all seven yards. On a guy yard. that averages seven <laughs> yards a pass. Stop it. He's horrible. Do your research before you make a statement. I I'll bet. Well, I'm almost. Let's go back to the. Let's sure go back 60% to the. Sixty percent right. is not at God. the bottom. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Go look uh, as a starting quarterback in the yeah. NFL. Yeah. You can't look it up right now because your phone's dead, right? Well, it's almost dead. But, but Zach Tanner, Wilson is give me lower. A, Tanner, you've got to, if you have a chance, can you look that up? It's 49th, Gary. 49th. In the, How can he be 49th? 29th. How can he be 49th? <laughs> they, they, they merged with the UFL. 29. <laughs> There's 32 teams uh, in the NFL, Gary. My He's point 29. Proven. He's not at the bottom. <laughs> there you go. All right. Uh, let's go to more texts at 808 296 1420. That is the number. And, uh, again, with the Justin Fields thing, just won't, we'll maybe kind of end it on this. I, I'm not saying that he's a very good quarterback, and part of the thing I said at the beginning of the show about maybe drafting number one is maybe they go after Marvin Harrison is because some of the experts have suggested that's something they've got to consider. Whether they do it or not, we don't know. They could be trading down as well. But I think there's still talk out there of what they're going to do and what would be the best decision. And I don't think it's as automatic as it was a year ago with Caleb Williams because Caleb Williams had a better junior year when he won the Heisman than he did last year. Even though he still had good numbers, USC wasn't great. That wasn't his fault there. Yeah, I think that – I don't know. I don't think that you survive. I I think the fan base is already – 
you know, printing up their Caleb Williams jerseys in Chicago. I don't think you trade down again. Uh, getting a great wide receiver that your quarterback can't hit, what good does that do you? But Justin Fields was a really good passer at Ohio State. Well, not one of the best in the country. He wasn't too alike, but he was good. Uh, he's a, I think his legs have done better for him than his arm probably in the NFL. But, I, I, again, I don't think 60% is bad. It might not be at the top, might not be in the middle. It's not awful, though. 55, it is awful. I, to me, anything 55% or lower is awful. Okay, so you're, you're saying that you would pay this guy $50 million a year because he's your starting quarterback. Uh, so in, after 38 starts, he's had plenty of chance to prove himself. 38 starts. He's got 40 touchdowns and 30 interceptions. He averages 60% completions, and he, he's um, – uh, Okay, here. I, 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 I got know, two I, words I, for you. I don't you. understand why I'm still having this conversation. I, well, you brought it up. Okay, again, if, here, you know I what? two words for you. If, if Zach Wilson comes out and throws 60% completions – averaging seven yards a toss, and throws up 30 interceptions and 38 starts. You're going to say, hey, that guy's pretty good. Tell me you're going to say that if that's Zach Wilson. No, but he hasn't done that. So, first of all, but here, Daniel Jones makes $40 million a year. Are you telling me Daniel Jones is an elite quarterback? I'm not saying Justin no, Fields has to no, get 50 No, no, I'm saying that was a bad decision. Okay, so. And I, think, wait, because that's an example of what you're going to get stuck with. Daniel Jones is a better quarterback. Well, I don't want to say, I, I don't know much about Daniel Jones. But this is why I'm warning you, Chicago Bears fans, <laughs> especially the guy who texts me saying, Chris Hart, stick to golf. Look, your team sucks. I'm sorry. But that's just the way it is. My team sucks. Your team sucks. That's just how it is. Chris, Chris. But at the same time, let me finish my thought. You don't want to be the New York Giants by giving Justin Fields big money. That's why you take Caleb Williams. Thank you for settling the argument No, no, for me. no, because if you can take care of more needs by drafting a receiver and an offensive lineman, you don't have to <laughs> give him $50 million, but you're probably going to have to give him 40 because that's the going rate. Everybody yeah. who's a starting quarterback is going to get in the 40s. Now, you're not going to pay him 50 or right. 60. That's crazy. Does Daniel Jones deserve what he's getting? No, I said it day How one. How much he is he getting? 40 million. I just said 40 million. Listen. So you think that Justin Fields deserves 40 million, but Daniel Jones doesn't? I say if, if well, kind of, yeah, because if, if, if Daniel Jones is going to get that, which he is, then Justin Fields deserves around the same. So, I'm not, again, I'm not saying 50 million, but I'm saying he probably deserves what average at best starting quarterbacks get. The elite guys are going to get over 50. Mahomes Holmes, you know, was going to get a raise. And, you know, when he got the $46 million deal, that was number one. We see it rising would, every would year. Would you give Zach Wilson $40 million a year? No, because I – no, I, I – Okay. Okay. Compare Justin Fields and it Zach up. Wilson and Daniel They've Jones. They've got the same stats. End of story. Who does? 60% completions. Zach Wilson and Justin Fields, yet you would give Justin Fields $40 million and not Zach Wilson. No, but I've closed. seen him Be enough. right back on ESPN Honolulu. <laughs> Last night I dreamt I was returning. Back with the animals here on ESPN Honolulu, having a good uh, conversation about the NFL draft. I hope it gets, I hope it gets hot and heated as the NFL draft uh, is coming up. Uh, go back to your texts at 808-296-1420. This texter says, I hope they sign Fields to a large $40 million contract, and in five games in the next year they'll realize 
What have we done? We're ruined. <laughs> okay. Here's the next text. It says, Caleb Williams will be a Manziel-type bust. Buyer beware. Ooh. Got it coming on both sides. I love it. This one is uh, about uh, Craig Stutzman, who is now the offensive coordinator at San Jose State. When Stutzman or Kenny tried to recruit Hawaii players, they should ask them what school did they choose. I'm not sure I understand that. I should have pre-read that. I'm not sure either. Uh, Let's see. Trying to call, but both numbers are busy. Thank you. Oh, no. Do we have a problem with the phone company again? Okay, so unbusy, the there's a button not being pressed back in the Paxa Studios downtown. The button is now pressed. We had to call the people from Paxa to fix it. Thank you, Paxa. Uh, good morning, animals. Will the Harbaugh brothers be the first to win a national championship in a Super Bowl? I would think so. I mean, how many brothers have coached both college and the NFL? And even well, with not that, how San many have won a championship? Not if the San Francisco 49ers have something to say about it this year, at least. True, but, I mean, if he's saying that they do. That's what I'm saying. If they do, that would be something that I don't think has ever happened. Are you checking out another text? No, I'm just says, will the Harbaugh brothers be the first to win a national uh, championship in a Super Bowl? Yeah. If they're talking about this year, maybe, maybe not. Eventually, one day, if they do... Who knows? Maybe Jim Harbaugh gets hired by the uh, Los Angeles Chargers uh, and then he's or the Atlanta Falcons. And then he wins a Super Bowl. Then he'd have them both himself, his own self. Somebody wants to know, is Doug Williams in the Hall of Fame? Yes, he is. He is. I'm not I'm sure about that. Yeah. And how does he deserve, hey, get- how does he deserve it over Joe Namath? You're right. And I'm not saying he does it. I'm just, I don't think he had outstanding numbers over his career, but obviously he won well, the Well, you don't Bowl. know about numbers in today's game, so why would I trust what you just said? <laughs> I'm just saying. He, he had a record-breaking performance. He was the first African-American to win a Super Bowl, or is it to play in a Super Bowl or both? Yeah, but I don't think that should get uh, you oh, a Oh, we just Hall got a text that Doug Williams is not in the Hall of Fame. Okay, yeah. I apologize. But he, maybe he should be. If Joe Namath is in the Super Bowl because of historical perspective. Hall of Fame, not then, Super Bowl. Sorry, I keep saying that. Then Doug Williams should be in the Hall of Fame. That's a good point. Uh, hey, Gary, a lot of people like to say that Dallas hasn't been uh, into the NFC Championship since 1996. However, they forgot to mention that they were in that game for four years in a row before that and won three Super Bowls. Of course. That wouldn't justify the point if we mentioned that. Well, thank you uh, very much to Herschel Walker once again. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, in the Cowboy Ring of Honor, you know, forget about, hey, how come, uh, you know, uh, Coach Jimmy Johnson's not there? Hey, how come Herschel Walker's not there? He's the one that built your team. Well, Jimmy come Johnson on. got inducted last month. I know, but people were saying that yeah, for yeah, years. Yeah, Why yeah. isn't he there? No. So instead of that, uh, you should be lobbying for Herschel Walker to be in the Cowboy <laughs> Hall of Fame. <laughs> he right? didn't have a lot to do with it indirectly yeah, in a way, but it worked, it worked out fine. All right, 808-296-1420. What's coming up next? Well, we're going to have Scott Robb join us to give, uh, give us his take on Rainbow Wahine basketball and the great weekend they've had uh, last week and the great season they're having in Big West play. All right, you know where I'm going later on this afternoon? Uh, 
lunch. And I'm trying no, to think. I'm going I'm to go see my friend Aki at 850 Craft Beer and Whiskey Bar right there at Leeward Bowl. This is the place uh, to catch your NFL playoffs and uh, also the Super Bowl. Great place to watch sports. All the football fans love it going down there from Pearl City. Uh, you can check out all the games. They've got the video wall, pool table, darts. Uh, you know, the, you can go across the hall and hang out at Leeward Bowl ball, Bar and Grill if you want. It's two, two. Two establishments in one. Check it out. 850 Craft Beer and Whiskey Bar in the Pearl City Shopping Center. A lot of football talk, some basketball talk, volleyball. We're going to continue with some basketball as our Rainbow Wahine basketball team had another impressive weekend with the sweep at home. Joining us now on ESPN Honolulu with Spectrum Sports seemingly every night of the week with volleyball, men's basketball, women's basketball, you name it, he's there, baseball, of course. Scott Robbs joined the show. Scott, great to have you on. I guess the first thing I want to ask you is with your dad, Don, celebrating his birthday over the weekend, what was your big birthday present for your dad <laughs> well when you get to be his age it's kind of hard right so he does mm. enjoy mcdonald's breakfasts so i got him a mcdonald's gift card oh who doesn't man come on yeah. that's awesome he spared no expense I mean, he, yes exactly well it's the little things as you get older gary as, as you know being <laughs> hey Scott! Scott, did did yes. your daughter Oli say that she saw Uncle Chris a couple times in the last month? She did. She never mentioned she did, it. Yeah, oh, she, she, oh, okay. She did. I see. Yeah, yeah, she I see. In terror, did she mention it? No, <laughs> she's a good girl. She's awesome. I don't know how. Well, I mean, I know how it was. You know, the girls are his girls are so awesome because they have an awesome mom. But I'm just joking. <laughs> There's no doubt about that one. I take, <laughs> I take no credit, Chris. <laughs> well, speaking of awesome girls, uh, let's transition. So proud that. of them. So proud. To uh, the Rainbow Wahine basketball team, I mean, this team, I mean, every year it seems like they have an under 500 record in non-conference because of the schedule they play mostly. And then they go to Big West play and they don't miss a beat. I mean, two two-time defending champs, and look what they've done so far this season. What has impressed you the most about this team? Well, first off, it seems like it because they do, because, you know, they do take on a, a, a pretty formidable non-conference season, and I don't think Coach Beeman, I mean, of course, she wants to win every game, but I think they use it more as, as, as a launching pad, getting prepared for conference play, and obviously it pays off, and it's paying off again this year, and I, I think by the time they get the conference, you know, one thing I, I watch this team pretty closely, um, you can tell everybody's bought in. They're 100% bought into what Coach Beeman is, is preaching to them. Everybody seems to know their roles, and they all seem to be comfortable with it. And you got to give some credit to the coaching staff, not just Coach Beeman, but her assistants as well, because I watch them, and they're they're locked in every game, and every player knows who to look at. and They, they just seem to be clicking pretty well. 
the experience they have with the returning players, some of the new players, and even when one of the new ones like Brooklyn Brewers is out last week, Ashley Toms gets into the starting lineup and has had fantastic games. They have a bench really where you could probably have three or four of those players be starters, and you wouldn't really miss much. I think that helps as well no, with the balance and depth. Yeah, and some of those players prefer to come off the bench. I mean, when you get a Kelsey E. Meyer and Deja Phillips off the bench, those are starting quality athletes or players. And so there's not a drop-off. It's just a different style. And so the other team has to adjust when when those players are coming in. And, you know, you mentioned no Brooklyn Roars, but they got Jackie David back this right. weekend. That is huge. And she is such a presence in the post. They haven't been healthy all season. Um, and they're still not 100% healthy, but they're healthy enough, obviously. Mm-hmm. Scott Robb joining us on ESPN Honolulu, talking Rainbow Wahine basketball. Scott, have you heard anything about Jovi Lafoto? I mean, it seems like we don't hear anything about her being even close to coming back. Is there a chance she misses the whole season? I think there's a good chance. I, I, I think there's a good chance she'll end up uh, redshirt. I mean, nobody's told me that, but I mean, uh, she's gotten to this part. Of course, she's coming off an ACL. Jackie David had an ACL. They had it about the same time. Uh, but I thought Laurie Santi brought up a good point where Jackie David had experienced an ACL injury once before. So she kind of knew what to expect and how long it's going to take and what needs to be done. And uh, for Jovi, it's the first time she's experienced an injury like that. And I'm sure she's being a, a little cautious, and I, I don't blame her. And if she doesn't feel like she's 100%, they're not going to put her on the court. One of the things I've also noticed with the team, and of course they've only got one loss in conference play, that road game at Riverside a couple of Saturdays mm-hmm. ago, is that they usually finish games strong. There's been a couple of games, at least this year, where teams have made runs at them in the fourth quarter, and they can withstand that. I think that's where the experience comes in, talent and the coaching, as you mentioned. Yeah, and, and I mean, last week was a perfect example. Two completely different types of games. Uh, you never got the feeling that, in either of them, Hawaii was going to lose, but they got challenged. I mean, they led from start to finish Saturday against UC San Diego, but that's a team that has beaten them twice on their own floor in the last mm. two years and, and beat them twice last year. Hawaii got them in the tournament. Um, and, and then two nights earlier on Thursday, that was just kind of just a real, real sloppy, ugly game. Both teams had 20 plus turnovers. Right. It was extremely physical, but Hawaii showed that. You know, they can change what type of game from a kind of a more finesse game on Saturday coming in off a Thursday game, which was, you know, it was kind of like a street fight. Hey, Scott, maybe you can clarify this because I've heard different reports on how this works. I know for the Big West tournament this year, only eight teams make it. We know that. We know San Diego's not eligible. But are there any right. buys again on the women's side? Double buy as far as there I are. know. Yeah, I think for the top two seeds. And I think, is it, aren't they going to do that on the men's side too now? I don't. I thought the men's side was just one versus it. eight, but I'm gonna have to clarify this. I know things are different, especially with the again just eight teams making it in. But I, yeah. I did hear that on the women's side because they've had that before with the double buys, where the men haven't. Right, and I mean it's such a huge advantage, right? You just need to win one game to get to the championship. Um, and I think Hawaii's in, you know, they're in good, they're in a good spot. Still, a lot more basketball to be played. They got their biggest game coming up on Thursday at UC Santa Barbara. And, and we'll see, but this is a, again another really solid, and, and they're fun, a fun team to watch. And you know, Saturday night they had I think seventeen hundred, but it felt like five thousand in there. People had a good time, and you know, people love a winner, and they're definitely a winner. 
What have you noticed as far as seeing on a daily basis, basically, for every home game with Lily Wahini Kapo as far as her improvement? I mean, she's such a steady player. I love her rebounding defense, court sense, scoring, shooting, distributing, facilitator. What have you noticed as far as how she has improved? <laughs> she's good. Well, you she's know, I good think player. now, yeah, I mean, you know, last year was her second year in the league, but at first with the UH, she started off at Cal State Fullerton. And, uh, I, I, she just looks more comfortable now. And I think a good example is that game, San Diego game, with under four minutes left to be played. The Tigers cut it down to a three-point lead, and then Lily just said, you know, give me the ball. She had struggled that night shooting-wise. She she just wasn't on her game. But when they needed her the most down the stretch, she scored seven points in the last three, three and a half minutes of that game. They needed it and ended up, you know, blowing them out, even though it was uh, a little bit more competitive than the final score. So, I just think her confidence more than anything. And what a great player she has been. Let's hope the men can duplicate that. They are home this week as well. Scott, thanks for joining us. We'll see you at the Stan Sheriff Center Thursday and Saturday this week. All right, boys. Be good. All right. Thank, thank you, you so Scotty. Much. Scott Robbs from Spectrum Sports also does baseball work here on ESPN Honolulu for UH Baseball. Joining us on ESPN Honolulu. All righty. It's uh, 841 with the animals. And, uh, yeah, that was a good crowd. It's good to see. And, you know, it's what what's kind of cool about the whole, you know, this is like a brotherhood movement that we had in football is hopefully we have this kind of groundswell for the Rainbow Wahine because what you're seeing is a lot of grassroots promotion. It's not the UH drumming up press releases or anything like that. What we're what we're seeing now in the last couple of weeks is just neighbors talking to neighbors, people at work talking to other people. Folks texting or calling in the radio station. We're spreading the word and letting you know that, hey, for the, you know, sports is entertainment. You want to be entertained? Check out the Rainbow Wahine basketball team. And I think this is going to grow and grow and grow. Now, Saturday crowds are always going to be better than Thursdays, right? Uh, Just because it's a weekday. But, you know, hopefully your Thursday crowd, next coming up Thursday crowd, which would be next week. Is bigger than it's probably bigger than some of the Saturday crowds you had in the beginning of the season. So we're a little slow here in Hawaii. It takes us a little while uh, to get going, but at the same time, keep it up, guys. Keep spreading the word about Rainbow Wahine basketball, and uh, that's how you build a program. Now, if for some chance they lose a few games, by all means, don't jump off the bandwagon. You know, the uh, thank again, like last night, we had a small crowd at Call the Coach with Iran Ganat. An enthusiastic crowd was there. And, you know, you we get so many negative things about men's basketball because they ran into a little slump. Well, you're never going to build a program. You're going to get exactly what you get by doing that. If you stop going to the games and stop supporting and talking stink around town about the program, well, it's never going to get any better. Thanks to you and you and you, but if you're if you're really behind the team, be behind the team. Oh, you'd rather have people be upset than not care at all. I get it, but at the same time, eh, maybe maybe dial the stickness down just a little bit, because if the Rainbow Wahine lose five of their next six, it's going to be the same thing, which is unfortunate. Right. Uh, but anyway, it's eight forty-three. Uh, Doctor Nate Murata on sports in. Uh, 
um, injuries is coming up from HCAP about concussions. We're going to talk to Dr. Nate a little bit and then wrap it up here on ESPN Honolulu. And uh, once again, I want to say uh, happy Kahala Tuesday. And you can upgrade your island style with Kahala, the original Aloha shirt, since 1936. Get one at one of their six stores on the island or at kahala.com. How fitting, the man with the deep voice says, we are brought to you by HCAP, Hawaii Concussion Awareness Management Program. Folks, check out hawaiiconcussion.com, whether you're a coach, a parent, a teacher, an athlete yourself. It's all about education. It's all about education and um, learning more about recognizing uh, concussion symptoms. Dr. Nathan Murata joins us now on ESPN Honolulu. Dr. Nate, good morning. Hey, hey good morning. Aloha. Appreciate you know, Gary, in the past, we're doing great. And we're so happy to have you on. In the past, we've talked about yeah. HUT 88, the helmetless uh, tackling training yeah. that you guys support. And there's other yeah. kinds of things that we want folks to find out about from today's short conversation. Yeah. Where should we go yeah. first? Well, you know, when you you always uh, appreciate you folks always talking to, uh, giving a shout-out for our website. But on our website, folks can actually look at two particular areas in the education arena. Number one is our brain space, and number two is uh, what we call our project uh, head, neck, spine. So uh, let me kind of briefly talk about the uh, brain space. Uh, brain space was designed from the Hawaii concussion law, which required concussion education and awareness for coaches, parents, administrators, faculty, and, and sports officials. And it's an online concussion education curriculum. It's free. Um, and it's designed for all that population. It's specific to Hawaii. And we also wanted to give some credit to uh, the high school students from Maui High and Moanaloa High School and OC16 who actually helped put that brain space together. Oh, uh, wow. so, it's, so it was generated by Hawaii high school students uh, to help uh, uh, to talk about the importance of understanding and learning about concussions from all those targeted um, groups. We're really happy about that. Yeah, that is a number of sports and uh, schools and youth sports. Uh huh. And you can yeah. see, and we talked about last month, and you were here yeah. about the growing number of concussion in younger children, huh? That is correct. That is correct. It's getting to be a it's getting to be an issue. I think uh, folks need to start to pay a little more attention to the youth sports and, and particularly our younger kids. And so, with our head neck spine project. We were thinking, how do we get to the large population of, of our, you know, youth children, um, mm-hmm. elementary school kids, middle school? Not everyone plays organized sports. So what we decided to do with that particular project that was funded by the Department of Health was to actually set up uh, educational curriculum, online curriculum for elementary, upper elementary, and secondary school health, PE, and classroom teachers where they can actually incorporate that into their in-class activities, homework. Uh, there's like eight lessons per uh, area that talks about various injuries to uh, head, neck, and spine, and it meets the Hawaii Department of Education health standards. Uh, there's a student advocacy area, uh, information where students, I mean, parents can sign 
to acknowledge that their child has gone through the training. Uh, teachers can, you know, it's an online thing, and it's all free for teachers to yeah. implement in their classroom and even homeschool children that don't mm-hmm. go to school. Set up the online curriculum primarily for uh, these targeted groups. We're talking with Dr. Nate Murata from HCAMP, the Hawaii Concussion Awareness Management Program. And it's a wealth of information. And really it is whether your kids, I mean, yeah, like you said, uh, Nate, it's even if they don't play sports. I mean, I remember as a youngster getting a concussion from what we, this is stupid. Don't ever try this at home. Uh, you, you have a Great Dane and you're like a nine-year-old kid and you tie yep. his the leash to the handlebars to ride him around the block for exercise. Well, if there's another dog across the street and he decides to go charging across the street, the nine-year-old's head will will go over the handlebars and hit the sidewalk. So it doesn't even have to be sports. So parents... Yeah, -hmm. sorry to interrupt. There's also the the fact that, you know, surfers now. We just published an article in the Hawaii... Uh, journal that talks about the potential injuries for concussion in surfing and recently with Kai Lenny and his uh, re- almost injury and, and the fact that he was wearing a helmet, believe it or not, yeah. surfing um, tells a lot about, you know, not only football or contact sports, uh, recreational sports too. And activities are just as, uh, you know, can be just as uh, dangerous as, as any other contact sport too. So people need to be aware and be careful. That's the message. Yeah. The um, that's did you see that um, Patrick Mahomes in the playoff game where his helmet cracked? Wouldn't you think he yeah. might have a concussion? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, um, well, the, the helmet that he was wearing was pretty much top of the line, but I I would suspect that uh, he might have may have had a headache after that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So don't. So if you are playing football, make sure your helmet isn't frozen. That's step yeah. one. That's, that's <laughs> But you know, there's actual guides. That you can actually take a look at on, you know, if you're old school, uh, different guides that you can actually print out and stick up on your refrigerator or something or send to others. You know, and we talk about coaches and teachers and athletes, but really parents, it starts with you guys at home being need to make yourself educated just for the safety of your children. And it's very interactive. The website, everything is spelled out here for you. Uh, at um, hawaiiconcussion.com. Anything else yeah. you want to add, uh, Dr. Yeah, well, Nate, before we let you go? Yeah, well, I think, Chris, thank, thank you for the parent uh, input. But we also strongly believe that the student athletes themselves have to take on some of their, it's their kuleana, I think, to also report mm-hmm. to their parents, to their coaches, that they, in fact, may have a concussion. So I think reporting on behalf of their own self-awareness uh, is also very critical. That's a good point. And, you know, student, and that's a conversation you can have with kids is, hey, if you're feeling like this, this, or this, let me know, and let's go over this kind of stuff. Because especially when you get up in high school, maybe you're like, well, I don't want to tell my parents because then maybe I can't play next week, you know, that kind of that's stuff. Correct. That's correct. That's exactly what happens. Oh, so man. We're here well, to help and we're here to uh, provide the necessary information so that we can continue to make the game safer for all kids. Keep up the great work, sir. Sports or not? Yeah. All right. Keep up the great work, and we'll talk to you again soon. All right. Thanks a lot, Chris. You guys take good care. Thank you. There he is, the pride of St. Louis School, Dr. Nate Murata, Hawaii Concussion 
Awareness Management Program, better known as HCAMP, uh, here on ESPN Honolulu. That was very, uh, it's it's a great message that he gave us that, you know, we, we talk about sports and young athletes, but even kids who don't play sports, be aware of concussion symptoms. You can turn Gary's mic back on. Thank you. <laughs> I was just, uh, we had a little problem uh, technically uh, with your mic, but we got it all fixed now. But anyway, uh, da, 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 da. it's uh, Chris Hart and Gary Dickman here, kind of wrapping it up here on ESPN Honolulu. Yeah, uh, we haven't talked about, I know it's not baseball season, but today they will announce who will be inducted this year into the Baseball Hall of Fame. And from what I'm hearing, the two most likely candidates, Adrian Beltre and Joe Maurer. Joe Maurer was a catcher, then a little bit at first base with Minnesota throughout his career. Adrian Beltre, Dodgers, Texas, Seattle, and it looks like both of those both of those guys are getting in. Carlos Beltran, uh. maybe with an outside chance. What about uh, Alex Rodriguez or Gary Sheffield? Sheffield no? said he's been a Hall of Famer since he was born, or words to that effect. We'll see if the <laughs> voters think so. I don't think A-Rod's getting in because of the PEDs, but I think he deserves to get in. Unfortunately, he probably won't, at least for a while. Oh, well, that's uh, – okay, so when do, so th- this is the – they're going to announce it when, tonight? Today. today. Uh, I'm not sure if it's 1 o'clock. Okay, o'clock oh, right I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm looking at something 6 p.m. Eastern, one o'clock. Uh, MLB Network. MLB Network, so that'll be at uh, 1 o'clock this afternoon for you baseball fans. Very good. Thank you very much to Scott Robbs for joining us today, and uh, also Damon Bruce from the Damon Bruce Show. Tomorrow we will have UH men's basketball player Justin McCoy. He will be joining us at uh, 8.35 tomorrow morning. First time we'll have him on the show. All right, very good. Okay, Uh, and we forgot to give away the basketball tickets. (laughs) Yeah, we uh, Let's uh, let's do this. Let's save them and uh, give them away in the afternoon, or uh, uh, or on uh, let's talk sports with Kanoa Leahy. We'll pass the word along to them. They'll have extras for you to win on ESPN Honolulu.